Thank you for tuning in or streaming or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB 91.3 FM in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm Melanie Davis, and Justin and Cal are out. Uh, Justin's doing his monthly uh, duty at uh, the board meeting, and Cal's on vacation. Isn't this like the third time, I think, that she's been on vacation? <laughs> anyway, um, have fun on vacation, have fun in the board meeting, but I'm having fun here because we have two special guests tonight. Uh, we have April Hennessy in the uh, studio. Hi. Hey, how's it going? And we have Phoenix Rain in the studio. Hello. Now, okay, I'm super excited because I'm totally fangirling over here on this side of the table. <laughs> and uh, uh, April, yeah, uh, tell us a little about yourself. And uh, everybody in Bloomington knows you. <laughs> So <laughs> it does feel like that these days. Like it used to be a joke. I would go to the grocery store and, you know, it'd take me like forever to get out of there just because I kept bumping into people. My brother, when he was visiting, was like, I'm never going anywhere with you again. <laughs> um, but since, yeah, since I was elected to the school board, it's definitely like people I don't even know know me now, which is a really strange thing. Yeah. So, so yeah. you're on the school board. I am. Oh, sorry. I'm supposed to be doing an introduction. We just jumped right in. Yeah. yeah so I am on the school board. Um, my term is actually up in 2024. Mm -hmm. So then I have to decide, like, what do I do? Run again or what? President. Um, president uh, of the country? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. We'll see. Um, nothing less. Nothing less. And yeah, otherwise, like, I've been in Bloomington since 2007. I came for grad school and just kind of stuck around like a lot of people. Um, I have three kids, married, we have like five pets. You know, our life is just chaos right now, but good, a good kind of chaos, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And Phoenix, can you tell us about yourself? Yeah, I'm Phoenix. Um, I'm a community member. I'm a leader of Kaleidoscope Youth Community, which is a queer youth community that serves ages 12 to 21 in Bloomington. And I'm also a board member of Protect Our People, which uh, Melanie has talked about before on the show yeah they're kind of infamous um no i'm just kidding we just started off there so that was a way more official good job thanks <laughs> uh so and kaleidoscope for those who don't know started off as prism and uh mm -hmm. is now uh kaleidoscope you're still doing uh same kind of work same yeah. Same sort of programs uh, as before, right? Yeah, we have uh, weekly meetings on Tuesdays at the Bloomington Center for Connection across from Hopscotch on Dodd Street. Um, we also plan events like the Know Your Glow Dance, and we do volunteer work around the community. And our education and training group does uh, trainings with youth-serving organizations around Bloomington and also around Indiana. Um, that's led by our youth. That is such a professional like intro. Like, Gosh, okay. I know. I'm like, oh, I didn't mention any of the things that I do, but who cares? It's fine. I love we it though. We all do. No, we all care. No, we don't. It's fine. <laughs> we care. <laughs> we care. Well, I, I forgot that part of the reason I think I'm here is because I do serve on the Bloomington Pride Planning Committee. Uh -huh. So that's one of the things that we're sort of busy and in the midst of. Wait, Bloomington Pride pl planning for what? Oh, for Pride Fest 2023. <gasps> That's oh, right. Yeah. yeah. August twenty sixth. That's Yay. right. It's coming soon. Yeah. So yeah. is there it, it's tell us about Pride Fest. Oh, I think it got called like the best or one of the best college prides, like by a couple of, you know, pretty well known publications. So yeah. that's a that's a kind of cool thing, right? So Pride Fest is um a day where 
we just have a bunch of fun. We have lots of different shows and vendors and people come from all over the state to hang out in Bloomington. Um, you know, it's, it's, a it's been a really cool couple of years watching it continue to grow. I mean, obviously the pandemic was like a, it was kind of a slump of a year yeah. that, that year or two, but, uh, yeah, we're back in full swing. Last year was amazing, mm-hmm. huge turnout. And so we're hoping to replicate that again this year. I, I'm so happy. Like when I first moved to town, you know, you know, cause mm-hmm. y'all are here, but, uh, first moving to town, there was no pride fest. There was mm-hmm. nothing. And I thought for the, one of the gayest places on the planet, <laughs> um, for us not to have a pride fest was, we had, we had the, the film festival, mm-hmm. which was great, but it wasn't really, you know, that come as you are totally. pride fest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of missed the film fest. Uh, but, Pride Fest is ever expanding. Yep. And uh it allows for everybody to come and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Which has been every year, year after year, it's just expanded. This year, um last year we had a a couple of issues with uh some some groups that were not actually at Pride Fest, mm-hmm. but were kind of adjacent to. Yep. And the the fear was that they were actually going to try to crash Pride Fest. Um, but they ended up not. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. Well there was there was some outside help there. For sure. Um and and you know, it it's still safe. It's still one of the best little things. of course Spencer Pride is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Um but for this town for as as big as it is and mm-hmm. everything to draw so many different people and so many different um uh organizations and acts yeah it's beautiful it so. is it really is i love it i mean i just love i love being a part of it it's a ton of work but it's worth it you know like when it's all said and done and it's all over and everybody's had such a good time and you can just see like especially for me like seeing all of the kids that come out like all of the youth that come out to really enjoy that space is super rewarding and cool for me because, you know, how it kind of was when we were young. Right. I mean, I act like I'm 90, but still, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it definitely wasn't like that. No, no. no. I, well, I mean, there was one pride in the area uh, for where I grew up and that was Chicago. Yeah. You'd have to go to another, you know, St. Louis mm-hmm. or um, uh, Louisville. Sorry, said that wrong. Louisville Pride. And Louisville is a town in Kentucky. I don't know if any of you know that. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just have to harp. But, uh, there's, there's one of the things that was so heartwarming was seeing like families come out mm-hmm. and seeing all these, you know, full gamut of people. And also, you know, our straight families and allies who are coming yeah. out and enjoying the day, mm-hmm. which was uh, definitely not the case back in. Oh in no, the day. for sure not. So, you know, it was it was kind of like, oh, it's it's just for us. We're the only people interested in it. And, and now there's so much participation, and everybody talks about it. Um, yes, it's got to be huge, huge, huge planning thing. What is that planning process like for you? Where do you, when do you start? Oh, well, you know, we started several months back. It's kind of like at this point we have some established procedures and plans and we have templates and things that we're not like 
building it all from scratch every time. So that really helps. But it's still just a ton of work to make sure that like all of the vendors are set up and all of the communications go out and all of the, you know, we have enough volunteers to help run it because it really is a volunteer run thing. Like if we don't have the volunteers, we can't really make it happen. We're a pretty tiny team, you know, so we really rely heavily on volunteers who've been really generous with their time over the years. So, um, do you and still then need volunteers? We absolutely still need volunteers. Um, and so there should be social media stuff going out, but also, um, you know, I just posted on my page, my, a link to the sign up sheet and people can contact any one of us at Bloomington Pride and get that link to sign up. Okay. But, um, is there a place that they should go? Like contact at Bloomington Pride? Is there? Oh gosh. You know, um, hmm. We have a lot of different email addresses, but they could just email me at april.hennessy at bloomingtonpride.org. Okay. And I will be able to get them all the information they need. Great. Yeah. Sorry I interrupted you. No, you're fine. That's what radio is for. We just interrupt each other. It's good. (laughs) It's better that way. (laughs) It's more interesting. Exactly. Um, But no, you were going to continue on with, like, one of the things that um, uh, the kids have really loved is not just the, the, the... um, the you know booths or booths. Yeah, booths or booths. That's more adult stuff. Totally. But there there was uh, uh, the wrestling last oh year. Oh my gosh, the wrestling. And, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and the, all of these like little side entertainment bits that yep. are going on, and everybody's participating. You know, even if you're just watching, you're still participating. Uh, Finding those people, do they come to you? Is there a, like a repository of queer talents that you go to and like pluck from or? Yeah, a little bit of all of that. Like sometimes people are like, Hey, I do this thing. Are you interested? And sometimes we're like, Oh, that's cool. And sometimes we're like, mm, maybe not for this thing, but, um, it's a mix, right? So people come to us. We find people probably just chat GPT things now because mm-hmm. AI. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. Like we really just, don't, but maybe we could be like, what is cool with the young kids? Um, they won't know. <laughs> they won't know. Yeah. Tide pod pride. Oh God. No, <laughs> please tell me we're past the tide pods. <laughs> I'm old. I don't know if we are now. I think now it's just I think older ladies actually ingesting borax. Oh my God. That's oh, yeah. the new thing. What? Yeah. Yes. I don't understand that. I just saw it yesterday. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to Google Mm -hmm. that after this. I love borax for the things that you use borax for. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Clothes. (laughs) Washing things. Washing things, it prevents mold Mm -hmm. and and kills mold if it's there. Maybe they're worried mold's growing on the inside. (laughs) Maybe. They got to see a doctor for that. (laughs) Borax ain't going to help you then. Ew. Gosh. I'm not. We're like. On some other train now. How it's a we, different, di- different <laughs> radio show. Borax <laughs> and the Tide Pods. <laughs> uh, don't eat borax. It's bad. Um, it's not for you. But uh, uh, my head just went into totally different. Yeah. So yeah, it's all the things you know that we try to find some of those yeah. things to appeal to people, and then we always try to have like some kind of kid-related, family-zone kind of things, mm-hmm. which has evolved and changed over the years. And then just like the logistics of ensuring that streets are blocked off and we have appropriate like security measures or safety measures and health professionals and just all of the logistics that go into running something like that. Right. You know. And the security things evolved over time too. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for those of us who have been paying attention, and if you're listening to the show right now, you 
you're probably one of those people that pays attention to such things. Um, there, there might not be that heavy police presence that you're expecting. Um, but there are definitely people who are running security who are there as, as even participants. So it's not a, um, it's not something that outwardly looks like there's a whole lot, but there are tons of people who are, are working that. That's right. And I mean, we're required by law to provide certain kinds of security measures. So mm-hmm. certain plans and things like that. You know, we don't talk a whole lot about that because then it makes us less safe if we talk about it too right. much. But mm-hmm. we do. We're required by law to have certain things. And then we implement other measures as well that we feel like keep our population safe. Yeah. Right. Um, so we have to do a little of both, but we try to make sure that it's balanced. Well, I know a lot of people were concerned about that, mm-hmm. like, you know, last year and this year. Uh, you know, I've heard buzz about buzz. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yay. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, resident young person. You're welcome. Uh, uh, there's a lot of buzz about the, the, I, I don't know if I should go to Pride this year because there's, there's this threat and, um, and honestly, I mean, pride is, is, I don't want to say it this way because it's going to sound bad, but I'm going to say it this way because it's true. Pride has always come with a bit of, uh, fear for a lot of people to be out and in public so much and, and to, to be collected together. Um, Indianapolis pride, the first year that they caged everybody in, I was driving up and I thought, why why is it a cage match this does not seem like a good thing uh and it's because they vet everybody who comes through um however that's really hard to do uh and also it creates like i haven't gone to pride in the last couple of years because i can't stand in line um but here it's more open and it is more chill um uh i we haven't seen anything that's been bad and i i know some uh i know some of the people who have worked uh in security mm-hmm. for that and they do a fantastic job of making sure everybody's covered and looked after so i would say for anybody who's wondering out there um you're covered yeah it's safe i mean as safe as any collective gathering can be these days right because right. Mm-hmm. gosh i feel like there's just risk everywhere so mm-hmm. yeah Absolutely, for a lot of people, pride has come with risks. We do absolutely take that seriously. Um, and, you know, it sucks to live in fear, right? So, mm-hmm. like, to just not be able to come out and gather and have fun and, like, celebrate the community and each other, I think, would be really, really sad. So, we do it. And we know that, like, there's always risk. Yeah. But also, like, we've taken every precaution possible. And, and, um, yeah, I'm. I, it, it holds a special place in my heart. Uh, just because you know we get to see everybody, we get to see the scope of our growing, uh, uh, the comf- growing comfort of our community, and the community around us, uh, all coming together to celebrate. So, and what what day is that? It's August twenty sixth. Okay. Saturday. Are there any other um, events and things that are surrounding that or that uh, kind of like lead up to and are adjacent to? 
No, I know Indie Pride does a lot of that. They have a ton of people. I mean, probably not as many as they need still, but like I know that their planning committees are bigger. Like for us, we've kind of consolidated to that one day, mm -hmm. you know, essentially at this point. So there's not really stuff going on ahead of that. I mean, there will be like us doing stuff and volunteers, like having orientation, but yeah, it'll just be the 26th. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to uh, plug or say about uh, Pride Fest? No, just, hey, come help us volunteer and then also stick around and have fun. Absolutely. So everybody out there, did you hear that? Sign up. Do it. <laughs> Be an active part. <laughs> Participate in the queer joy that we all need this year. Heck yeah. Um, and I... I how about how many vendors come out? Because that's, that's been growing. Yeah, that was huge last year. I feel like we had a ton, but I don't know what our numbers are this year. Okay. Um, but a lot. Like, we filled up all our the streets were just full. Yeah. I know, uh, Protect Our People, we just got the... Yeah, we just got a booth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Is um, our vendor application still open or are they closed? I think that they're still open. Okay. Like, people can still apply. But okay. That is not my, someone else does it better. <laughs> so what, what's, what are you doing? What is your... So I typically do the like volunteer coordination. Okay. And I share that role with a very good friend, Allison Zook, who is also the owner of the Ranch Cat Rescue. Oh. And she has like a bajillion cats right now. <laughs> so also if you're, uh, if you need a cat, adopt. <laughs> Allison has lots. <laughs> I do too. Yeah. So. She's like 120. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god. And like forty eight of them are kittens. Like from this season, little baby kittens. Wow. Yeah. People, you need cats. You need cats. You need ca cats means pride. <laughs> Unless of course puppies are your thing. Um but oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's so is freak ton of work. Is mm -hmm. she gonna have like a booth with you know like no, Allison doesn't have a booth, but she does. The, we split the volunteer job because, like, we have to be there from sun up to sun, like, past, right? Like, yeah. we usually finish around 1 a.m. Um, with cleanup. So we typically split that shift. And sometimes there are kittens to pet if you volunteer. I mean, just saying. Is that, like, in the swag bag for the volunteers? It's in the swag bag. Everybody gets a kitten. Yes. <laughs> like Oprah. Just hand out kittens. <laughs> you get a kitten. You, you get, get a kitten. kitten. And you get a kitten. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I know. <clears throat> Uh, that that makes me sad because I want every all the cats right, to have yeah. kittens, but no. not at mine. Yeah, not at yours. You have kittens too, right? Yeah, I have three cats. Yeah, you need yeah. Some more? that's an, no three is <laughs> enough. <laughs> I used to have ten. Oh my! Gosh. Yeah, mm -hmm. wow. we had twenty-one at one moment. <gasps> wow. Well, that was that is a lot. Three litters. Wow. Um, before we were able to get everybody fixed. That was so many kittens. That was, we had a lot of kittens, and also we had we were the cat house of Indianapolis. Mm. So we had like all the stray cats in the neighborhood recognized our house as like the safe haven. Mm -hmm. So we had a litter of kittens that was raised on the roof of our house oh, under one of the eaves wow. of one of the sections. Um, yeah, that was wild. <laughs> uh, but I thought 10 was a handful. <laughs> well, I mean, some of them were more feral and outdoors and more independent, but mm. we still had them and fed them and kept yeah. them and. Well, we had nine indoors at all times and one who was in and out. So you just have the litter room. <laughs> I was gonna say. Yeah, we had we had like work. we had like five litter boxes, I think. Yeah. yeah we're moving to uh, one of those uh, litter mates or whatever oh, it is. Like, oh yeah. The automatic. Oh, that goes right so into nice. the toilet. 
Oh, it goes into. Oh the yeah, yeah. It macerates everything. Yeah. And like, it's and flushes like compostable it. litter or whatever, and you can just. It's yeah. It's it's actually reusable plastic. Oh, hmm. And um, so it it cleans it, sanitizes it after it's done, dries it for the next round. Um, wow. It's magic. That's amazing. And uh, a friend of mine. Uh, was getting up off of it and was like, do you want this? And I'm like, <gasps> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, not to talk about litter boxes too long. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. So now to move into um, uncomfortable territory for this time of, of life. The whole idea of the schools and what's going on there. I I don't know how the board, the teachers, the administration are going to handle mm-hmm. all of this. Um, for I mean, most uh, listeners will probably know that uh, 1608 was passed. And that's that's the big one for uh, it was called Education Matters. Oh yeah, totally. And um, in the beginning, when it was introduced, it was it was pretty horrible, and it caused a huge uproar. And thankfully, after much testimony and after much prodding, um, they they took out some of some of the really terrible uh, aspects of it. And it's still terrible, but not really terrible. <laughs> um, let, fill us in with, with the, as it sits now, mm-hmm. uh, what you're going to be dealing with as a board member and what the schools have to or require to do now. Yeah, so, so I will say that the schools are going to be required to essentially put a policy on the books about these things, mm-hmm. right? Um, because teachers or people who work in schools are technically now required to report to parents anytime a child essentially asks to be called by a name that is not their given name or a pronoun that isn't like their sex assigned at birth sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's something that school boards are being asked not asked, essentially legally required to put a policy in place. Um, so I can say that about that. Can we can we ban those books that the things are put on the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also, oh God, the book banning and challenging. We also have to allow for that. Now, I will say it's interesting because um, school boards do have some like latitude about how they implement that particular policy. Right, so like we have to allow parents to challenge books, mm-hmm. but we can sort of put things in place around that. Um, okay. So what does that look like? You know, do what do we require as a process in order for them to challenge the book? We don't have to ban the book, but we do have to allow for them to challenge the book and hear that. Challenge. Okay. Um, now, what what is that process? Because when um, they were talking about, I. Uh, the the process for creating a uh it was like a, a not just for parents but 
it was open to anybody in the in the whole uh, community who could be on the board to review these things because it was it was a, a community based uh, mm-hmm. issue that was that was one of the early drafts okay I don't think that that's true okay um, I don't think that that's still true how I, I understand it is that the the sort of board and the district has the ability to make a decision okay um, but we also have we can implement certain things like okay you have to demonstrate that you've actually read the book by doing x y or z right? <laughs> could get fun <laughs> right yeah um, yeah so you know i think that that is actually up on the agenda for this month in our next meeting i need to check on that but it's when is the next meeting tuesday actually okay and where can people find this meeting if they can't make it to mm-hmm. the, the board meeting so through our mccse website there's a little drop down at the top that says board of trustees and if you drop down there's like meeting information and after the meeting is done you can always find the link to where to the streaming version of it okay um, on our youtube channel so we have a youtube channel <laughs> <laughs> it's there's nothing fun on it just boring school board meetings boring 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 school board i like meetings. it i like it when it's boring yeah mm-hmm. although they i mean we've we definitely had some not boring ones but they haven't been as bad as other places oh no we've been pretty protected in this community i think you know i feel like this is a good moment for me to say that i speak as an individual and yeah <laughs> not as a board member i mean there's some information like general information that i could say like as a board member here's what i know from kind of legislative position or you know things that people have access to public access right right but i will just say that i am definitely not speaking for the board at this moment i am speaking for myself as an individual and so let that just be known but um yeah we have definitely been a little more protected here in this community from like some of the really really terrible stuff that we've seen in other places you know we did have to kind of shut down one meeting for a little bit just because it got a little too noisy and rowdy and sort of chaotic but we were able to restart after like a 15 minute break so not so bad well and you avoided getting some people in this last election cycle who were uh more Q anonymous in their beliefs so uh, that was that was blessed we had a we got some board members who were just mm-hmm. wonderful fantastic people totally it's a great board uh, yeah um and and probably the the queerest school board that i've heard <laughs> of uh anywhere in the country i mean it seems to be very um they're knowledgeable we'll say yes uh and and very friendly to understanding the community Mm -hmm. and i think it's it's clear from the goals that this particular board has set and is currently you know sort of working with the administration to implement that we're incredibly devoted to equity Mm -hmm. and to what that looks like for all of our students um and then of course we you know we've had the equity ambassadors program going and we recently like towards the end of last school year um Put the LGBTQ plus sort of policy, or um, well, what do we call it? It's not a policy, but uh, it was basically us saying like we essentially do not support the things that are going on in legislation, and we want to ensure that our LGBTQ plus community feels safe, and that our students and our staff feel safe um, and welcome in our district. And so that's something that's really important to us. Which then brings us to this moment because 
what do we do, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, mm -hmm. From a legal perspective, there are things that we are being told we're required to do. And the, the concern that I have is, because, I mean, you know, well, I don't know what I can or can't say, but there's this part of me that's like, well, I'm not going to sign that policy. Like, I won't vote yes on that. Right. Right. And what happens if none of us vote yes for that policy that we're supposed to implement? Then what? Right. So there is this question of like, legally, what happens at that moment? Mm -hmm. I don't actually know the answer to that. These are just my own hypotheses. Like, if this happened, right. then what? We may find out what happened. You know? Vote around and find out. We may. Uh, <laughs> vote around and find out. Oh, my God. I love it. That's going to be my next slogan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll license it. Pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, but really, truly, that, that whole question of not protesting, but standing up for principles that are in, in this community mm -hmm. uh, sacred. Absolutely. And yes, there's a whole diversity of people here. Mm -hmm. We have people on, from every political and, and uh, uh, every background you could possibly uh, look for, which is strange in Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, Blooming, or Bloomington, some parts of Indianapolis, but IPS in general, and then uh, Northwest Indiana. Uh, diversity in all sorts of uh, ways are really just found there. Everywhere else, it's pretty monocultural. Mm -hmm. And and how do we how do we honor those? How do we protect where needed? Mm -hmm. um, I know there was a, a referendum on uh, not just LGBTQ issues, but uh, race issues and that was I think that was passed first right that was last year mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, you know so that's that's passed yes how do you implement those things what are some of the things you're actually going to be looking at uh, facing what issues does this uh, I mean you know force before this, you? this puts I think it's harmful I mean it is harmful right mm -hmm. it puts kids at risk kids who already might be at risk in a variety of ways if they are sort of, you know, forced into a coming out or forced, you know, forced into having certain conversations with parents who may or may not be supportive of them um, in homes that may or may not be stable. I mean, we just don't know. Right. And we already know that, like the LGBTQ plus population is already one that is at a greater risk for incidents of um you know, death by suicide and by all kinds of depression and all sorts of other things. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like for us to to sign off on this for me personally to sign off on this it feels like doing harm and i just like i just don't see how i can do that right the the question for me or the thing that you know we kind of have to talk about with our lawyers and things that i have to kind of do more research on is you know our teachers are still going to be held to that standard mm -hmm. so if they fail to do these things right legally i suppose and i don't know for sure there would be some repercussion for that. Like if they decide not to report or they decide. So I don't actually know what happens when, you know, does putting the policy in place and putting some sort of guidelines around it, does it protect our teachers and students or does it 
harm them? Like, which is the least harmful? And right. what are the other avenues we can potentially take to avoid doing harm? So there, there are a lot of questions, and I don't think I have answers to them right now, but um, for sure, it's a, it's a really, really tough thing. Well, and, and on the teacher's point of view, and I want to um, bring you in on the youth uh, mm -hmm. and what you're seeing. Um, Phoenix, but um, from the teacher's point of view, there were there was just a report out by the state of how many uh, open teachers positions there are in the state of Indiana, mm -hmm. and it's over two thousand. Yeah. yeah, it's big, which seems a crisis moment itself. It is, mm -hmm. and uh, CNBC um, reported that we are the seventh worst state in the, the country uh, for, you know, quality of life and where to live and work. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the seventh from the bottom. Texas is at the bottom, but Florida is ahead of us. Florida's mm -hmm. better. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you think of the, the situation there with kids who can be taken out of their home. I know. Atrocious. Which is something that we're potentially going to have to look at next year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um for us to still be behind that in this ranking is is atrocious for the fear that is coming through that I hear from educators, uh, you know, friends of mine who, you know, they don't want to harm the kids. That's the last thing that they want to do, but they might be put in positions where they have no choice. Mm -hmm. So we are, not just affecting youth, but we're affecting the future of our education system here. Um, I, I actually don't know where we're at in uh, the push to get rid of the Department of Education in Indiana. It, it's a national push for yeah. federally and in many red states. Yeah. Uh, it's been you know, put forth at least. Mm -hmm. uh, and in Indiana for the past several years, they've been advancing the idea, if not uh, trying to go full steam ahead to, to basically take away public school standards mm -hmm. and protections and, um, and all toward serving the idea that private schools are a solution uh, when private schools don't have to meet any of the standards don't have to admit kids for any reason. You know, public schools are where we have more equity and equality for for young people and for for our, our nation. This is where people who are going to be citizens, where they're uh, learning how to be citizens mm -hmm. and how to work together and how to be um, productive members of society. And so when we have the um, uh, uh, SEI, right? S-E-L, S-E-L, yeah. right? Uh, I'm thinking D-E-I, S-E-L. I know, so many acronyms. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the S-E-L that is pronounced, which is, can you explain that for yeah, what yeah. it means here? Yeah, it's um, social emotional learning, mm -hmm. essentially. and. You know, what do we teach? We teach kids how to connect with others, how to regulate their own feelings, emotions, behaviors, like 
things that like many of us probably needed to learn but didn't right <laughs> when, when your parents were like just quit crying about it go over there and do something else you know and yeah. what really you just need to learn how to regulate your emotions and also like feel them and understand what they were be able to name them so right. that you had some emotional awareness and intelligence right and those are all things that we teach our kids like we want them to be emotionally intelligent aware connected people because when we have kids who are you know connected in that way we don't see a lot of the things that tend to be you know the, the sort of disruptors in the classroom and things like that mm -hmm. um, but obviously you know a lot of communities or a lot of people have essentially said that social emotional learning is essentially a, a sort of propaganda tool or a cover for other kinds of things right. um, that are more of the DEI diversity equity and inclusion sort of things that they also don't want so they find those things to be very connected like the SEL and the DEI um, and so we have heard um, not as much here in this community some but not as much right um, that parents don't want their kids learning about any of that stuff they just want traditional or classic education and so they're just like I want my math and my science and my English and my reading and my whatever and like that's it don't teach my kid anything else you know like history like history or accurate history or social know, studies social studies I mean they're fine with it to a certain point but once it veers off into some territory that they think is problematic then they want to cut it you know it's just it, it's really unfortunate because those social emotional learning pieces are so critical especially for kids who are you know in classrooms all day working with people who are outside of their you know that they haven't ever sort of had to interact with before or right. culturally they're different maybe um, they have a range of things regarding like their identity whether it's like religion or culture or you know whatever it is that they then have to encounter and the thing is like they're gonna encounter this in the, the real world too when they go out into the workplace you have to find a you have to find a way to deal with this right and you right. have to find a way to like be able to still work with and connect with people I mean I had a conversation with with a person just yesterday who said like they didn't understand or think or believe that they needed to have any DEI training in the workplace because like that doesn't have anything to do with what they do and it's the same thing that we hear from parents and about SEL and DEI in school. It has nothing to do with education. Well, it has everything to do with education. Yeah. And I think that that's something, especially back when we were kids. Mm -hmm. We keep saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Way back when. Yeah. Uh, in, in many areas of the United States, by... I'll say by land mass, not necessarily by population, mm -hmm. but many areas of the United States, it was a monoculture, even in this state. Yeah. It was a monoculture, and I go back to that all the time, where you didn't encounter people of any different background than you, your friends, your family. And when you did encounter them, they were the other, mm -hmm. and they mm -hmm. were strange, mm -hmm. and they were queer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> for yeah. lack of a better term and very accurately so they didn't know how to act around us right they didn't know how to 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 deal with us depending on whatever kind of background there was except for how their parents acted so 
and and I hear I heard this growing up because we had you know in the eighties they were talking heavily about um, sex ed, mm-hmm. and these are things that should be discussed at home. And I don't mm-hmm. know about anybody else, but my parents' <laughs> sex ed for me was sitting me down in front of Channel Eleven in Chicago, and putting on the Miracle of Life uh, oh thing uh, uh, documentary, where I got to see you know babies developing in the womb and that was it that was the whole thing on anything having to do with it which didn't include and it, we're talking when aids was blowing yep. up mm-hmm. and we didn't learn about sex let alone safe sex let alone who we might be as sexual beings growing up and maybe that's why I'm ace but uh <laughs> I didn't I just didn't learn about it so I don't know how it works uh if only I'd learned uh, imagine but where I grew up thankfully they had a lot more experience with diverse ideas mm-hmm. and so we did get a comprehensive education in school mm-hmm. but our parents were absolutely unhelpful in that regard mm-hmm. so when talking about diverse communities, especially in this area, mm-hmm. um, where Bloomington is the kind of little itty bitty dot mm-hmm. in the middle of, of a whole sea, when people come to Bloomington and they're surprised uh, by, you know, any of the differences that they see. And I'm being obtuse because we do have a lot more sure. than, uh, say, Bedford. Mm-hmm. Um, they act inappropriately. Uh, they will yell things at you outside, out of the trucks and and cars. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just be, you know, anti-truck. I'm not anti-truck. Some of my friends own trucks. Um, <laughs> But they do not have the danglies in the back. Um, but yeah, they, they, they fear this because they haven't been exposed to it and they don't know how. Yeah. They just haven't been taught how. So for our country, for our, our future as a society, we have to have these things in place and we can't rely upon parents uh, to educate their kids because the parents don't have the education. Well, I mean, it's like, okay, so all of that, yes. And what happens when you feel that discomfort, right? What do you do? And that's like the social emotional learning, yeah. right? What do you do when you feel uncomfortable? We just shut it down and you walk away. You yell something so you can like divert your feel. No, that's not what we do, right? right? That's not what we should do. It is what often we do. But that's the whole point. It's like, okay, now you're confronted with this moment of discomfort or strangeness or newness or like anxiety how do you deal with that right do you lash out and like yell something at someone out the truck so that you can cover over your own discomfort or do you sit with that and say like oh let me be curious about this feeling in this moment let me take a deep breath before i make a rash decision let me you know like those are the tools and techniques that we need so that people don't engage in ways that escalate conflict Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's the whole goal of social emotional learning right like get in touch with your feelings 
understand how you feel, understand that other people might feel similarly or maybe completely differently, and how do we engage with people in that moment, right? My gosh, why is that a bad thing? I was just talking to somebody that uh, um, at Hopscotch mm-hmm. <laughs> across from uh, the uh, Center for Connection, and we were discussing that very thing, like how to connect with people basically doing um, that SEL work, but on a, a community-wide scale so that we can reach people who hadn't been reached by that before. But how do you connect with people and how do they identify? How do you show them that we are, we have more commonality than difference, that we have, you know, so much humanity and we're not just the other. Yeah. Um, and that that is absolutely important. If you can catch kids when they're young and show them, you know, this isn't a detrimental thing. This isn't, you know, a, a, a problem with somebody else. We all are the same. Yeah. And we look strange to others mm-hmm. and they look strange to us and how how do we how to think mm-hmm. you know there's the how to think critically but also how to think in a, a socially critical way Absolutely. and that's why i it's so important it's so important <laughs> um i was going to go down a different pathway so i'm i'm, yeah. I'm pulling back but i want to hear from you you're you've been very quiet uh, <laughs> how do, how do you see this uh, happening in in the youth, in the young folk, in the young queer community in, in particular? I mean, it's definitely going to be harmful. A lot of the queer kids I've talked to, the a lot of the kids that we have in Kaleidoscope are kids who have families who are accepting, and but they have friends whose families are not accepting. And so, what I'm seeing a lot of is queer kids being scared for their queer friends. Um, because the kids who come to Kaleidoscope and who have that as a resource, their families are accepting. We don't have kids coming who don't have that because it's dangerous for them to come. Mm -hmm. Um, So we just hear a lot of kids being scared what's going to happen to their friend um, if they get outed for going by the name and the pronouns they've been using in the school system for years that there's not been any issues with. Their parents don't know that they go by different names and different pronouns. But now, this year, they're worried that their parents will know and what will happen then. Um, a couple kids I were talk- I was talking to were talking about fearing that their friends were going to become homeless. Mm-hmm. And queer kids are already disproportionately um, a large population of the youth that are homeless in America. So that's something that I worry about. Um, they're actually the majority. Of yeah, the majority. Kids. Yeah, it's uh, it's at least forty percent, um, or more than that now, actually. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I haven't talked a lot to the kids about it because they also, you know, they come to Kaleidoscope and it's a place to get away from things, and yeah. they don't want to talk about it. But we've talked about it with our education and training because we um we've been invited to do a training with MCCSC schools again, mm-hmm. and we've been trying to think of how to build that training and how to talk about the laws and look into what we can tell, like what the youth, not me, but the youth can tell their teachers and their school system what they want and what the school system can do 
for them that still follows the laws. So that I've said it on the radio before, but not in front of anybody who's actually has a vested interest in, <laughs> in this. Some of the schools are more accepting and open than others. Definitely. Yeah. And uh, the school leadership has a lot of uh, leeway in how they create the school culture and environment. Mm -hmm. And some are have been definitely less um, uh, accepting and open. Definitely, yeah. And I, without getting into necessarily who that might be specifically uh but but yeah some of the schools i mean there are two high schools mm. well there's four more. there's four yeah yeah because i went yeah, to the two alternative schools there's oh. also the academy and the graduation school yeah. oh my gosh yes and yeah yeah the academy of science and entrepreneurship yeah i sit corrected <laughs> um I don't know about the smaller school. Actually, I live right next to the the um, yeah academy <laughs> academy. Yeah, <laughs> like I could I could throw a dart there mm-hmm. uh, if I had any darts. Anyway, so no, I knew about that one. I I don't know the culture there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of quiet. It's smaller, um, and the graduation school. I don't know. It's great. Is it? Yeah, for queer kids, I would say. Yeah, I graduated from there. I went there for three years. Um, It is an awesome school. (laughs) Yeah, it has a bad rap because people think the bad kids go there, which is like the worst way to think of anything. (laughs) But um, it's really great. And the teachers there are the most affirming teachers I've ever met. And I love all of them to this day. (laughs) I've been to all of the graduations of the, the sort of high schools you know and mm-hmm, yeah i really do love it it's like small and it's intimate and you can tell how loved the kids feel by mm-hmm. their their adults in yeah. in the in the school so i think it's a it's a great place mm-hmm. for sure that's that's awesome mm-hmm. yeah. yay yeah um and i have experience with north mm-hmm. and uh and i know plenty of people who also have uh you know kids in both uh of the main schools mm-hmm. um so you hear things um north's uh their gsa has been around for a long long time Mm -hmm. and it's been spearheaded by some very passionate people uh who we've actually had on the the show Mm -hmm. uh south is lacking i'll just say that Mm -hmm. how you know it's one school corporation um, and, and this is not asking necessarily as, as a board member, but just kind of like spitballing as a, a community member, what are things that we can do in, as the public to help create equality within the school system, between the schools, mm-hmm. so that it doesn't become so bifurcated in that sort of way? Oh, God, it's a great question. Um, you know, and I think anytime you have, I think this is often the case when you have a lot of different leaders in a district, you know, different schools, different populations of people in those schools. Mm-hmm. Um, it's complicated. And I mean, totally just, I, I would say that 
you know, some of the things that we're implementing from the strategic plan from an equity perspective, mm -hmm. I hope will have that kind of an impact in aligning the district and the schools like across the district in a more sort of uniform fashion. Like we always want each individual school to be able to cultivate their own kind of school culture and pride and whatever, but there are certain things that for me as an individual are non-negotiable, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I do think that that's a lot of what our equity work hopes to get at, right? So looking at the, the sort of disparities and the disciplinary disparities and not just looking at them, we've already looked at them, right? But mm -hmm. we're actually making a process by which that data gets assessed year after year, right? So that, you know, we can actually look, is our data changing? What have we done? What have we not done? How is it changing? How is it not changing? Who's still being identified or referred for disciplinary action? Who's not like, so I think a lot of those things will help align some of those like core things mm -hmm. about a school that have to sort of be the same across the district, right? We can't have disparity like that across the district and other things are just they're complicated you know like schools get funded dis differently depending on right. different things and i mean they're also things like gsa's require sponsors like faculty sponsors mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and so then you have to find a sponsor who's actually lgbtqia plus like affirming and welcoming and you don't want to just have a faculty sponsor who's not invested in the club itself right and so mm -hmm. then there's that there's that aspect so I think it's like a really complex and layered thing. And I think from a community perspective, like if it were me, if I were a community member, I am a community member. You know, I think people don't utilize the school board in our meetings enough. Mm -hmm. I mean, we see it in times of like high, like if there's a, a topic that is really like a hot topic that people are upset about, yeah. right? We'll see people come to the meetings, but it's like it ebbs and flows and in between those high points where people are mad about something like we just don't hear from anyone almost at all and like even when we're putting stuff out there we're like we would like your opinion on these redistricting maps for school board seats we get like mm -hmm. not that many comments yeah you know and so I think I would love to see more consistent input and action from our community on a variety of topics but things like this like use the public forum to like come speak about those things and get other people to come speak about them and it works people. it does work because that's how um when kaleidoscope was prism we came and talked in front of the school board and that's how we started the trainings mm -hmm. yeah that's so how the it works started, right some kids came and said hey things are not equitable and mm -hmm. like i still am being harassed or i still have been mm -hmm. you know having these racist comments made in my classrooms or my whatever it works <laughs> i that is um that's usually where we we try to you know express to people this is what you we can do as a society this is what we can do as individuals yeah. this is the change that we can make uh, so thank you for <laughs> saying that because that is um, truly the power is in our hands mm -hmm. and we can choose to put up with things or we can choose not to and and to stand up and speak out is our right and something that that we really definitely have to do. I mean, it's got to be Stonewall every day, all day, yep. unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, until we are all equal. Yep. And, and that means all. That's across all diversity. Um, because, you know, as long as somebody's being oppressed, we're all, we're yep. all suffering. So, but 
we are up against the end of the hour. I have loved this. I am so excited. Thank you both for coming. Um, uh, I want you on all the time. Um, <laughs> but I, we're pulling up to the close and I really need to, uh, give a shout out again to, um, Blooming Out is now brought to you by this year, uh, which is fantastic. Blooming Foods Co-op Market. Uh, I'm going to read the little, uh, blurb that they gave me. Uh, Bloomington's community-owned cooperative grocery store supporting local farms and businesses since 1976, which uh, is amazing because it's almost as old as me. Owned by over 8,000 residents across Monroe County and beyond, Blooming Foods uh, offers local, healthy, sustainable, and environmentally sound products. Thank you. Blooming Foods East is located at 3220 East 3rd Street by College Mall, and Blooming Foods Near West is at 316 West 6th Street near the square. More information at bloomingfoods.coop, which throws me off every time. (laughs) But .coop is awesome. Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio and produced by me and Cade Young. Uh, Our engineer is uh, everybody now. (laughs) For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Melanie Davis. Remember, we're here, we're queer, we refuse to live in fear. Thank you to my guests. If you would like to say goodnight, this is the proper time for doing so. Thanks. Goodbye.